Wesley on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I, I, thought, I thought of you because of your state championship that you single-handedly won <laughs> for West Liberty that's Salem so High true. School. That's so well, true. that's not according to you. I mean, <laughs> If you That's also not true. If you're you're embellishing, as you're often prone you're, to do. Are you not in the Hall of Fame for cross country? As a as a middling member of the team. Speak the truth, Mr. Spielman. Always speak the truth. Let's not embellish here on the uh, your state champion Spielman and Hooley. We tackle life podcast. A team state championship. Yes, not a uh, individual. Not even close. Should have won it to an individual. Now that I heard <laughs> well, the story, I won't, I won't uh, deny that. Yeah, there's definitely room for personal improvement. How are you game this day. morning? Yeah, you, could, you didn't. Were you not ready for game joked. day? I didn't rise to the occasion. <laughs> That's right. I certainly did not. I'm better since we're starting off like this. Yeah, of course. Let's talk about <laughs> failures. Mine and John Beeline's. Although I don't know if I can blame John Beeline for failing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The reports are he is uh, working on his exit strategy. Uh, he's walking away from $10 million or more, dollars, uh, maybe $15 million. Uh, It's nice to be in a position where you can do that. Uh, I feel bad for John Beeline. Uh, 14 and 40 with the Cavs. I don't think they ever really gave him a chance. I'm not sure he was equipped to be a NBA head coach. I don't think he had a full view of how different it is. But uh, a nice man, a really great college coach, and looks like he's on his way out with the Cavs. Well, we talk about fits all the time, coaching fits, whether Mel Tucker was a fit at Michigan State or Luke Fickle. I think you can do that across the spectrum of all sports. Does a coach and a team and a philosophy and all that fit together? And when Beeline was hired for the Cavs, I never thought that would work. I mean, you're bringing a college guy up here for what? I thought the only way it would work was if they went all young and guys were in the NBA, but they were still okay with being coached like college players. Where's that going? What universe well, I mean, is that going to happen? You in? can't keep Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. I mean, you got to strip it down to the bones and, you know. Memphis kind of has done that, and they're it's working in Memphis. It's not working. Yeah, with but the you have to be patient to be able to do that. You do. Right? That's right. And yeah, if you're going to keep Kevin Love and Tristan, then you're not being patient because Apparently, those guys are you're not going to win. I mean, those guys are support players. They're Apparently, not franchise players. Someone just told ninety two three in Cleveland uh, that Andre uh, Jason Lloyd, friend of uh, ours, been on our show at the Zone before. Uh, Jason with the Athletics says that Andre Drummond, recently acquired from the Pistons, told the Cavs he's like. I guess he can be a free agent next year. There's no way I'm coming back to Cleveland if Beeline is the coach. Uh, the Cavs are a curious bunch. I mean, what what NBA team has three bigs? Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and then trades for Andre Drummond. Yeah, Just I don't dumb. know. I have no idea. I, I haven't followed the Cavs. They're not interesting. They don't capture my imagination. They're not going to be in the playoffs. They're not fun to watch. And they're just they're 14 and 40, and they're um, – with a coach that doesn't want to be there and a team that doesn't want the coach to be there. So, see you later. Yep. So, I'm trying to think, where will he land as a college coach? Big 10-wise, I was trying to think, is anybody? He's 68. So, maybe. He looks in really good health. Would you be... Would you be shy as an athletic director of hiring John Beeline and expecting to get four to five years out of him? No, not anymore. I think age is different now as it is in each generation. Um, And maybe because I'm getting older... But I think, you know, 60s, the new 50 and 70s, the new 60. I mean, that's just the way it is. You look at some of the of the people and even in acting like uh, 
there was a show on Netflix called The Irishman. So there was De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci and all these guys. And, you know, these guys are, are just uh, amazing. So I do think, Bruce, um, I guess my point is that I, I think age is relative and it's how you feel and how you perform. But I think John Beeline's energy and his knowledge, uh, if he has that, I think he's more than capable of being a college coach. I look at all the presidential candidates. I mean, President Trump's in his 70s. Bernie Sanders is 78 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren, I believe, is in her 70s. Biden, so, he's old. And Biden's in his 70s. So Late. if we're going to ask people to lead our country or vote for people in their 70s to lead our country, no offense to Mayor Pete or anybody else, but, I mean, he doesn't seem to be the front runner. And the newest member is Mike Bloomberg. He's in his 70s. He's 78 years old. Is he really? Yeah. So yeah. We're, I, and Looks I, good for 78. I, that's my point. I mean, yeah. we have all these people that we're going to put the responsibility of leading the United States of America. I don't have a problem hiring a 68-year-old if he's got all his wits and smart and energetic and all that stuff to lead a college basketball team. Here's a sidebar question. Uh, you know, we have a minimum age to be president. Would you favor a maximum age to run for president? Would you want to elect? And I, I'm this is not because Bernie would be in his 80s. Be this 83. is just this is just would if you, he won and yeah, yeah, if he won at the end of his is presumably at the end of his first four year term. Would you favor a maximum age to run for president so that you wouldn't have a president who's X number of years old? Um, I'd have to think about that. I yeah. mean, if I. If I did, then I might have had to kick President Reagan out, yeah. of, out of office. Well, which, there are all the reports that late in his second term, he right. was, you know, kind of doddering around or suffering from the early stages of Alzheimer's mm -hmm. or whatever. Or dementia or whatever yeah. it was. So, I don't know. I, I would think that there would have to be some type of, I guess I can do it with conditions. Um, if you pass the physical and you don't show any a loss of mental capacity, then maybe, I don't know. Boy, how controversial would that be if a guy wanted to be and then they said, nope, sorry, you don't pass the test. Well, then, I mean, that's, I think, very fair, actually. Everything would lead to a conspiracy theory. Everything of course does, it would. Everything does now. Yeah, what yeah. else would do? But that, Here's, that's an interesting question. Uh, the, the Cavs, assuming they move on to J.B. Bickerstaff, will be on their 10th coach since 1999. Same as the Browns. <laughs> 10 coaches since 99. But here's the number that stuns me. I just saw it. Joe Varden of The Athletic tweeted it. Colin Sexton is in his second year in the NBA for the Cavs, their first-round pick, you know, last year, two yeah. years ago. He's on Young his, Bull. He's on his fourth head coach in one and a half seasons. So how's that? How's he supposed to grow from that? I don't know. So let me say, it would be Ty Lue, and then who replaced Ty Lue? I remember. Then John Beeline, and now presumably J.B. Bickerstaff. Yeah. All right. Well, there's just no stability. And no. We talked about the one position when Cleveland Browns. What do you yeah. need? Stability at the yeah. quarterback position. You need stability in the front office. You need stability with the head coach. I mean, usually most of your franchises that have success, and defend, depending on how you define success, at least you know in the playoffs or making it run or whatever it is in the NFL – I don't think you can define success only as a Super Bowl champion, but you're sniffing around it all the time, and stability's the key to that at that at those key positions, whether front office, um, coaching, and of course the quarterback position. Then you can fill in the pieces around there. By the way, here's another one for you: Herm mm -hmm. Edwards. 
who was hired at Arizona State a couple years ago, is mm-hmm. 66 years old. I'd let Herm coach for a while yet. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't look like his tank is even trending well, toward that, I mean, empty. That, that's. I guess that that's the point. Yeah. Right? Going back to Beeline, and there's a lot of great minds. When I was in Buffalo, Marv Levy was in his 70s yeah. as our head coach. And you would never know. You just don't look at it like that. I'm trying to think in the Big Ten where John Beeline might land. Uh, Wisconsin's not making a change. Ohio State's not. Michigan's not going to dump Jawan Howard. Michigan State with Izzo. Although Izzo's getting up there, but you can't Izzo can't retire and hire a 68-year-old guy to take his place. Uh, Indiana. I had a guy yesterday who said, hey, if I'm Indiana, I go John Beeline right away. That's Go Vol X on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, that fits, but they're not dumping out Archie Miller yet. Uh-huh. I I don't know enough about it. Yeah, Illinois guy is doing a good job, and the Rutgers guy is doing a good job. So uh, I don't know, but you know, he coached at West Virginia before, so Mm -hmm. Big East job, Big Twelve job. He's a guy that reminds me of a guy that he just wants to coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I mean, you even look go back to Raleigh Massimino, right? Raleigh Massimino was a led the Villanova in a great victory, I believe it was in the nineteen eighty five, eighty four season, eighty five over somewhere around there. Where they beat Georgetown, where yeah. they had shot the ball twenty or twenty, I think, in the second half or something, or something it's crazy, like that. Crazy twenty twenty four, something crazy. Yeah, and then ended up being the head coach at Cleveland State and UNLV. Yeah, so I do think that you know guys are coaches. I'm, I, I go back to my father on this. Okay, my dad um, was a longtime coach and got out of coaching, but. You know, all of a sudden he's coach of a semi-pro team in Canton, Ohio. Then he's coach at Tuscarawas Central Catholic in Tuscarawas County, Ohio. Then he's called me up one day and he's driving to Florida because he's uh, uh, being an assistant offensive coordinator at Dr. Crop High School in Miami. Coach is coach. You know, that's what they do. That's who they are. And they just – it's really difficult – for coaches to get away from it. And it's rare that coaches do make a, a clean break. I think ones with proper perspective in life are able to have an easier transition. I'm not saying it's always easy, easier transition from getting away from it, but coaches are always going to coach. I I'm going to make what a, they do make a prediction on beeline. I'm going to make a prediction that he comes back to coaching, but it's at a school where you go, What? And I don't mean at a D1 school necessarily, although it could be a small D1 school. You know, it could be someplace like in the Big South or someplace like that. He strikes me as the kind of a guy who might go D2, D3 just because he wants to get back to pure coaching, relationship with kids, away from all the yeah. big-time pressures of winning an NCAA Division One championship, of recruiting, of big money and all that. It would not surprise me a bit if he went into an environment where he could truly be a teacher and a mentor. I think the joy of coaching – um, what little experience I have with kids and so forth. I think the joy of coaching is to be able to see everybody get the message that you're you're doing. Not only obviously the off off the field stuff, but the message of coming together as a team and you put a plan together and the kids execute the plan. And no matter what level that is, when you see that happen, I think that's the payoff for coaches. Uh, Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to email the show, speaking of coaching, you put out there last week that you like to coach high school linebackers, right? Yeah. Did so, I get a, I, any I don't know. I haven't checked the email inbox yet because we <laughs> check it fresh. We don't preview our emails. When my so, TV career is done, TV which, career. which you never know when that's going to be. But. Uh, can I, 
guess I'm going to ask live. We'll have to edit it out if you tell me not to. Are you you still signed? You got to. I'm good. I am good through uh, a year from August. So, okay, nice. Yeah. So f- through at least I'll have a job for me uh, about what 16, 17 months. So uh, that's your pretty... contract pretty much pairs up with the collective bargaining agreement, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I the and uh, the there will be no work stoppage or no strike in the NFL, by the way. There'll be a CBA. They're really, really close Good. to getting this done. Good. There will be a 17th game. The 17th game will not kick in until probably 2022 or 23. Mm-hmm. They'll drop it down to uh, three preseason games. The reason being is that the players will never again, I think, walk out because the money is too good. They'll be walking away from millions and millions of dollars, and you can't do that. I think it's irresponsible for these guys to do that. Uh, I think there's concessions. There'll be concessions in training camp. They, they won't. Maybe they'll have maybe two or three padded practices a week, so you'll get bad football early in the season, mm-hmm. which I think is good because I do think uh, it keeps your players healthy and, and it keeps your best players healthy for the most part or best chance to keep your best players right. healthy which is always good for the game, right? But I they'll never walk away from from the, that kind of money again. So although and the owners have been pretty good with concessions, I th- I think you'll see a little bit of concession on on marijuana use. I think there'll be a probably a two or three week period within a year where they'll test uh test for marijuana. Uh, after that two or week three period, I th- I think they'll look the other way on it mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So We'll see, but I know that a CBA uh, will get done. Then, of course, the television contracts are up in 2021, which I don't think we'll see the end of that. But I do think you're going to see the end of, and this is just a prediction, and I've talked to some not higher-ups but people within the business that have opinions on this, and I don't know if anybody's interested in it or not. I'm interested in it that I don't think um, you'll have CBS do the AFC and Fox do the NFC. I think it'll be all one mixed uh, con- 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 conglomeration. Con- con- I can't say conglomeration. conglomeration. There you go. And I think that, you know, this uh, where networks pull certain games, uh, flex scheduling. So ABC, if they're going to pay that kind of money, will probably want to have certain choices for Monday Night Football. So mm-hmm. then, you of course, you bring in Netflix and Apple TV and what other streaming, Amazon. Yeah. And they'll probably get involved. And so the the money out there for everybody to prosper is too great. So it's, uh, I think the NFL is in a good place and it's going to be healthy financially for a long time because you're having these other entities come in like streaming networks that are going to be getting involved, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, this might be a good time to touch on the XFL. Uh, it is filling a void between the Super Bowl and Major League Baseball season. I'm not sure about that. Well, I want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, you the, the quality of football, some of the rule innovations – some of the broadcast innovations, sideline interviews, right. and guys mic players up live and stuff like that. Just what so far your impressions through what two weeks? So I got a call the other day, and a guy, former player, friend of mine, called me and talking about something else, a fundraising thing. And then he asked me what I thought about the XFL, and he says, "You know, I can't stand as a player 
the broadcast innovations with the in the locker room at halftime and you come off the field and you have to do a report. Mm-hmm. They're in the locker room live yeah. at halftime. And I said to him, I said, look, I don't like it, right? As a player, you don't like that. Right? You got to have some sanctuary somewhere. Mm-hmm. But as a network, I see why they're doing that. And as a league, I see why they're doing that because they have to do something or anything to capture the interest. The product on the field is not going to capture a sustained interest. It'll capture a curiosity interest in the beginning. It doesn't catch your, uh, catch a sustained interest for one reason and one reason only is that the quarterback play in that league is substandard. Cardale Jones is playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. A kid named P.J. Hall is playing pretty well. But everybody else, you look at some of the numbers, 9 of 20 for 58 yards or whatever. When you What makes the NFL popular and why guys get paid what they do is the quarterback position. Those are the, those are the, the needle movers. Those mm-hmm. guys move the needle more than anybody else in any sport. I'm convinced of that. You know, it, it, it it's the equivalent of Tiger Woods in his prime being on a in a final five or yeah. You knew every Sunday he top, was going to be there. Yeah, and so and so CBS or NBC or ABC or whoever had the the golf tournament that weekend, they're sitting there praying for the quarterback, um, or for Tiger Woods to be in the top five or in yeah. a hunt, right? Yeah, yeah, to be so, in the tournament. So you look at the NFL. I think. Uh, and I have no proof of this, but a pretty good guess. And I think the NFL looks at a lot of the matchups or networks look at a lot of matchups, not necessarily what teams are playing what teams, but what quarterback is playing what quarterback. Correct? True. Well, that's a lot of times how they're promoted. I mean, sure. you think about it with, with if the Patriots are playing the Chiefs, they're not going to talk about the uh, the Chiefs' horrible defense, no. which did improve this year. That's that's why they're Super Bowl champions. Or the or the the Patriots, you know, robot defense where they're the no name defense basically. Yeah. I mean, they have a couple of really good players, but for the most part, they're not household names. They're going to talk about Brady and Mahomes. Sure, that's the matchup. That's the draw. That's the hook that gets people in. And so, in order for a league, I think to succeed and sustain uh, viewership. If you don't have those named quarterbacks, you have to have another hook. And the hook is we're giving you behind-the-scenes access. I don't like the kickoff rule. Everybody seems to like it. Yeah. I don't. You don't. Okay, no. why not? I think the the blockers are at such a disadvantage on that. And when they're lined up head-to-head on the 35, uh, what I do like is it gives guys a chance to play and to be able to, to be a part and make money playing football and gives people opportunities. So I'm certainly in favor of that. I think Cardale Jones will actually get back into the NFL. I don't know what his commitment to the XFL is. I don't know the exact rule. I don't know if it's a two-year thing you have to do. But I think when you look at Cardale, uh, Cardale has only helped himself, which is good for Cardale and for Buckeye fans and for people that – follow Cardale, and I'm certainly a fan of his. I hope he gets to be able to uh, continue to play, and I hope he gets back to the NFL. That's what I wondered about. Uh, I think Cardale is a very unique case. The XFL needs stories. You just talked about it. They Quarterback play in the NFL compels people to watch the star power, the stories. The XFL is, by 
pretty much definition, a bunch of no names. They're not NFL guys. They're right. not good enough to be in the NFL, or they would be. Or they were they were backups in the NFL. Yeah, but I mean, there's a reason they're not on a roster. You know, they're yeah. not out. They're not on a roster. Okay, but Cardale Jones is an is an exception in that he lit up the sky as a college player briefly. <laughs> One of the greatest stories in college. It is football. really an amazing story, given his you know tough growing up and all this stuff and. Out of nowhere, you know, either he led them or they went and he went along. It's, I think, 50-50. Oh, oh, I, I, I think it's 70-30. Okay. What he did yeah, I mean, he in caught- that stretch is absolutely phenomenal. You're Right there you have it at the top. NFL players or, or XFL players. Go back. Okay. So XFL players are free to sign with NFL teams after the league's championship game April 26th in Houston. So they they can um, they can't sign like during the season, right? So Cardale, I agree with you. I think an NFL team will want to take a look again. At, I'm stunned he's not in the NFL right now. Anyway, yeah. as a backup, I don't know. Maybe his study habits were not what they wanted as an NFL backup quarterback. I don't know, but uh, you know, Cardale flashed <laughs> across the horizon, and then uh, got a chance to start as a senior, and that didn't work out. JT Barrett ended up getting the job back. And so Cardale has this forever hold on the love of Buckeye fans. He got him a national championship. And so Ohio State fans are, you know, using this XFL success. He's kind of the face of the league. Um, He's got a great personality. Yeah, he does. He's got a fantastic personality. And uh, but it's the other day I was like, they're celebrating a guy who's not in the NFL, but he'll, it, you know, do you want him back in the NFL? Because if he gets back in the NFL, he's not going to have the profile he has in the XFL. He's just going to be a background guy in the NFL. I don't, I mean, I think Cardell probably wants to get back into the NFL. Who wouldn't? And plus the money's going to be much better for yeah. Cardell in the NFL. But I think I, I just love how he embraces every opportunity. He embraced every opportunity. And, you know, you think about this, Bruce. I, I really think, and may, this is my own opinion. I, I don't know how many people uh, share this. I'm sure there's a few others. His story at Ohio State is probably the greatest story in Ohio State history of what he was able to do. It's one of the most unique stories. And one of the, it, it's like, that movie I was telling you about, Overcomer, or the Comeback yeah. Kid, or or yeah. what? It's like a Hollywood script. It's a hokey Hollywood script for Ohio State fans. Yeah. I mean, not everybody yeah. can relate to this, but yeah. us as being Ohio State folks and following Ohio State, what he was able to do was re, it, it's unbelievable to unbelievable to me. Where Urban almost ran ran him out, yeah. right? Yeah. Then you're going in and and you lose JT Barrett and this is your third guy now. Yes, it is. It wasn't Braxton the, was the guy at the start of the yeah, year. Yeah, this is the third guy, and to come in and play to the level that he played, not only throwing the ball but remember running, running the, ball. the ball, running the ball physically. And, and so it's just it's it's a great story, and this is I think for the XFL and for him to come in and play well. And I think he leads the league in passing, if I'm not mistaken, or he's close to it. Uh, there was a kid, um, who was a guy, somebody, uh, Jar- uh, Landry Jones had a threw for over 300 yards. I think he was the first XFL quarterback to throw for over 300 uh, yards last weekend. But Cardell, 
is uh, is an interesting guy in what he's doing. He's making a living playing football, and maybe he'll get back to the NFL. And that's what the XFL, to me, is all about. These guys still have an opportunity to, to make a decent living and maybe have an opportunity to get back to the NFL, which is cool. Do you agree with me that Cardale would not be as big a deal? All the Ohio State fan sites are writing about him. Buckeye fans are chattering about him. He's all over Twitter, you know, buzz. Do you agree with me that he wouldn't have that kind of capture if he were doing this in the Canadian Football League? And Absolutely. I just I wonder why that is because is, uh, you tell me is CFL football a better quality of football than XFL football? Uh it's just uh, I don't know because I haven't watched mm-hmm. enough of each to make a comparison, so I can't give you an answer on that because I would be making it up, and mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I do think the CFL has some really good players. The CFL, from my understanding, most of the skill positions, some of the linebacker positions are made up of American players, but there's a certain amount of Canadian players that are required to be on a, a CFL team, a Canadian-born mm-hmm. players that are required. I mean, you can play in the States and all that type of stuff, but, uh, I mean, there's been some pretty good uh Trans, or transfer overs or, or come people that were in the CFL. You think of Dieter Brock was an amazing quarterback with the CFL, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, tried it with the Rams, didn't work out. Of course, one of the all-time great quarterbacks, Hall of Famer, is Warren Moon. Many people would say, well, what team did Warren Moon play for in the CFL? And it was the Edmonton Eskimos, by yes, the was. way, the green and yellow um, he had a pretty good running back by the name of Jim Germany that teamed up with Warren Moon and dominated the CFL. Not Look many at you. people. Look at you on the well, CFL chops. Well, because of my uh, <laughs> obsession, obsession <laughs> some call it a disease of football, when I was younger, when ESPN first came on, the CFL was on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I watched every game that I could. And you remember Vince Ferragamo played for Montreal along with Tom Cousineau played for Montreal. David Overstreet, a great running back from Oklahoma that played for Montreal. Marv Levy coached at Montreal. So uh, the CFL certainly has its place. Um, will the XFL start doing what? the NFL will not do, and that is offering contracts to guys after one or two years of college football. If people know the history. That was a big thing between the AFL and the NFL back in the day, not not getting guys before their eligibility was done, but just going and offering an alternative place to play. Joe Namath to the AFL and some other big-name college guys to the AFL, uh, and then the AFL-NFL merger – but the XFL, there's nothing stopping the XFL from going and getting Trevor Lawrence after the championship, you know, after the playoff. And his sophomore year's mm-hmm. over. He can't go to the NFL yet. There's nothing stopping the XFL from doing that. Well, I, I could answer that question if I had one piece of information. Is that is there a salary cap in the XFL? Is there, is there a, a limit on what players can make. I know that Colin Kaepernick was flirting around with the FN, uh, XFL, and I think he wanted 5 or $6 million a year, and they said, no thanks. So if I'm the XFL, um, I think I would be looking at that. And I, actually, I'm for that because I don't think 
as you do, I think you and I are on the same uh, page as this. Uh, not everybody's cut out for college. It's just Correct. not the way it is. So right now they have a deal in place where they can only pay them a certain amount of money a week, which is uh, basically, you know, five grand is the, is the ceiling. But I think it certain only, positions you can get more. It pay. only takes one ambitious owner to, you know, push that through at the league level. And, and you know, that's most leagues that start out say we're going to pay modest salaries and make sure we're profitable. And then somebody gets greedy and somebody gets, yeah. you know, Donald Trump with the New Jersey Generals and Herschel Walker. Yeah. And Doug Flutie and Dave Lapham, I think. Well, even, I mean, you look at some of the great players that came out of the USFL. And one of them was the, the Philadelphia Stars. They had uh, Sam Mills. Couldn't get in the NFL. Sam Mills was dominant in the XFL. Fort, great linebacker from the New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers. If you don't know who Sam Mills is, uh, look him up. And unfortunately, we lost Sam in a battle against cancer. Von Johnson, another player for the Saints who was a Pro Bowl linebacker when they had Sam Mills and Ricky Jackson and Von Johnson and uh, Patch Swilling. You remember that group with the Saints? Bruce, I do. That four, I do. That four linebacker group was amazing players. You look at, at those guys. Uh, Kelvin Bryant. You remember Kelvin I Bryant do. from North Definitely, Carolina? Yes. So, I mean, there's a lot of great players that come through. That's what I'm excited about the XFL is that maybe somebody that fell through the cracks, cracks through the uh, uh, NFL scouts gets an opportunity, is able to shine and get their opportunity to get in the NFL through the XFL. I, I just think they'll, they have a salary cap and they'll probably stick to it as much as they can. Uh, Mel Tucker, we talked about at Michigan State. The news on Michigan State uh, is that uh, there is now a photograph out there that corroborates the allegations of this uh, assistant coach who uh, alleges that Mark D'Antonio broke recruiting rules. And this photograph is of D'Antonio, the coach uh, who's suing him, a couple other coaches, including Mike Tressel, with a recruit. Uh, and the photo itself is an NCAA violation, as they were, as this, this coach, his name is Blackwell, was not allowed to have contact with recruits. Mm -hmm. So he's there with D'Antonio. And D'Antonio had said the guy stayed in the car. So now there's this whole thing at D'Antonio in a deposition, said the guy stayed in the car. There's a photograph that he didn't stay in the car. Did Mark D'Antonio commit perjury? It's going to get It's going to get it's ugly. a minor violation anyway. If yeah, we're... but at the minor violation, but Ohio State fans may remember that's how Aaron Kraft wound up at Ohio State. It was a picture of Bruce Pearl and Aaron Kraft at a party uh, when Bruce Pearl said no. no such photograph existed. In that case, it was an NCAA thing. There was no deposition involved. This then there was no lawsuit involved. There's a lawsuit now. This guy is this Blackwell guy is upset that he was fired, and uh, he's coming after D'Antonio. He's coming after Michigan State. Um, so that's just the latest on that. I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that Mark D'Antonio would be uh, put in prison for perjury for what amounts to a recruiting violation. But hey, you know, yeah. crazy stuff happens. We'll see. Hey, um. I wanted to talk to you about. It. I've been sending you articles. Yes, you have been. And I think this is when uh, I get a when I get something in blue from you. I always click on it because. Well, it's interesting. I love, I love I your prepping for the show. Well, I think about the show and yeah. and the Joe Burrow in the passive aggressive nature that mm -hmm. he does not want to play for the Cincinnati mm -hmm. Bengals because he won't say 
That's ridiculous. Of course I'm going to play for the Bengals. Of course I'm excited to play for the Bengals. I'm from Athens, Ohio. Why would you ask me if I'm not going to play for the Cincinnati Bengals? I have no qualms with playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are things Joe Burrow has not said. No, he's and his dad has been out there saying, uh, you know, there's a lot to be done. I got to go to the combine. There's still a lot to be done. And, you know, you have people and ex-players, uh, two in particular, Carson Palmer, who comes out and rips the Bengals, right? Might not be the most objective source of information. Solomon Wilcox uh, also oh, is not a big fan. Yep. Former Solomon's a very smart guy, a pretty good analyst, and really smart on the radio. I think he does a good job. He's not a big fan of the Bengals and how the Bengals do things. Carson Palmer rips the Bengals, but remember that the Bengals went to the playoffs. Now, they didn't win a playoff game, but they went to the playoffs five years in a row. After he after left. After he left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how he can say they're not committed to winning. And and I, I get the frustration with the Bengals. I've had my frustrations with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their frustration with the Bengals. And this might surprise you, but to me, I understand where Joe Burrow's coming from. I mean, the Bengals have a reputation that precedes itself, correct? They don't do business the way 31 other teams in the NFL do business. Right. And... So I understand where the hesitation for Joe Burrow wanting to be a Cincinnati Bengal uh, comes from. Joe Burrow has that leverage. Joe Burrow can do what Eli Manning did, what John Elway did, too. You know, who was John Elway originally drafted by? The or ba- wanted, Was it the Baltimore or Indianapolis the, Colts? Colts, right? The Colts. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no thanks. Yep. I'll so play I, baseball instead. And, I, and I, can, I can say that. You know, the Joe Burrow legend continues to grow, and his stock is rising. I talked to uh, uh, not a anybody with a team, but a guy that's in contact with teams mm-hmm. uh, and does the draft stuff. You can narrow it down to about four guys that I know. Okay. I just don't want to say his name yeah, because I don't fine. have permission to say his name. But the word on Joe Burrow, and you know how things can get a little bit uh, spoken with hyperbole. Mm-hmm. He is an uh, a more athletic Tom Brady. That's the comparison. I so when I you have that's, that's a I mean I don't know if he I mean come on I can't compare him to Tom Brady. Right, but is he more athletic yeah. and does he remind me a bit? There yeah. are the bits and pieces there. Yeah, I can see that. And so I think that's you know the the leverage that Joe has, and Joe is trying. Joe and his father are trying to use that leverage without insulting or sounding. Uh, like a spoiled kid, right? Yep, and trying to. And, and do you agree with me that he doesn't want to play? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know he, that I agree I, with it yet. I, okay. I, here's what I want to wait for. I want to wait for his interview at the Combine on Tuesday. And if his response at the Combine is, look, I'm not going to come out and say about whether I'm going to play for any team or not, because to do so, to talk about playing for the Bengals would be to presume that I'm the number one pick. I'm not going to insult other teams, other players in the draft. But if they draft me number one, yes, I'll be happy to go there and play. So if he says that, okay, fine. But the stories are all out. Everybody's running with the fact that, you know, Mike Brown's old, old, old school, and the Bengals, you know, have not been good recently. And so if you Google Joe Burrow's name, you get the first three stories. Is Joe Burrow already trying to break up with the Bengals? Former number one draft pick. Has some advice for Joe Burrow. Pulling Eli Manning. And then there's one Mel Kuyper telling the Cincinnati Inquirer that uh, the notion that the Bengals have been 
horrible is ridiculous. And I side with Mel on that because here's, you know, you sent me the story the other day about, well, the Dolphins, you know, Joe Burrow would like to go to the Dolphins. Excuse me? Like, <laughs> I'll put the Bengals past over the last 10 years up against the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are not a great organization. No. No, I think they're on the right track with Brian Flores. Yeah. I do. I can't make a judgment about Zach Taylor. The Bengals have a lot of things to figure out. If if A.J. Green comes back and Joe Burrow has an A.J. Green, well, that helps Joe Burrow a lot. If A.J. Green gets traded and the Bengals don't have a viable guy to be a one, because I don't think Tyler Boyd's really a one. But if you go it's A.J. Green, close. if you go A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. John Ross. John Ross. Healthy John Ross. You know, and, and Joe uh, Mixon. Ozuma. Uh, and Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard, I mean, they got weapons. If they get Jonah well, Williams comes back on the offensive line and solidifies that. That's the problem, right? I think Joe and his dad or whoever's helping him navigate the waters of being in the unique position that he's in is looking at that offensive line for the Bengals and saying, oh, my gosh, son, I I don't want you to yeah, go behind that. But they got free agency, and they they are getting a – look, if they – they get. They get. They don't sign. You could look free at agents, it. I know, Bruce. but they. Well, they have signed some free um, agents. They signed Andre Smith. They signed their own guys after they leave. They signed. If you look at it like this, they get Joe Burrow and a first round pick at tackle because they're getting Jonah Williams for the first time. Yeah. Okay. I. I understand his trepidation about going to Cincinnati. I really do. I have I've had problems with Cincinnati. I shared with you on the podcast, I believe, my problems with Cincinnati. There, there's a sense of arrogance within that organization that there doesn't need or it's not earned arrogance. So the thing about it is, though, Chris, you draft high for a reason, and you don't have a whole lot of great options usually. When you're going in the top 10, like Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Giants, Dolphins, Chargers. Okay, at six, if you land with the Chargers, you're landing on a pretty good roster. The other rosters are flawed. Carolina, seven, that's a pretty good roster. Cardinals are not. The Jags are, uh, Cardinals are getting better. Yeah, they got a David Johnson money problem. Yeah, that was dumb. But, yeah, don't pay a running back, kids. So, anyway, you know what? The Redskins aren't going to take him because they got Haskins. I did see a mock draft yesterday that your Lions pick the first big surprise of the draft. And there will be one. Somebody will fall. Right. And I don't know who it'll be. I keep hoping it's Jeff. Not for personal reasons. I don't want Jeff Okuda to fall. I want the Browns to get Jeff Okuda. You want another corner? What do you? Yes. Why have all of a sudden you're interested in corners? Well, What about the Browns get Chase Young? A pat, no. Not, he's not going to fall that far. And I'm more sure of Jeff Okuda as an NFL player than I am of Chase Young. Wow. But at any you're rate. In the, you're in the so minority have, on that one, my I know, friend. I'm just saying. Uh, they have Tua going to the Lions 3, a mock that I looked at the other day. Tua to the Lions. There's rumors about the Lions trading Matt Stafford, and then their GM said, no, that. no, we're not trading Matt Stafford. Of course Or no, said Matt that. Patricia said that. Matt Patricia said we're not trading Matt Stafford. There's also, well, the, the reason why the rumor started is because – Matt's uh, wife is very active on social media. That's not a good idea. <laughs> and For so, NFL wives, not a good idea. So you can see there's subliminal messages yeah, or whatever yeah. that come out, or pa- passive-aggressive seems to be 
the way our little quizzes or tests or the, can you figure this out? Where's where in the world is Carmen San Diego yeah. type stuff? Yeah, I think one thing that uh, I would never, I wouldn't trade Matthew Stafford. Would the Lions take? Of course, you don't know, but I'm saying, I'm not. If I'm the Chargers, I'm not giving them the six for Matt Stafford, but I'd give him a, I'd give him my six pick in the second round. I would take that. Boy, the Chargers with Matt Stafford would be interesting. Yeah, so the Chargers are pretty well set up pretty, everywhere but that spot. Yeah, yeah, I think which these, is the most important spot. But still, they've had they had a ton of injuries last year, which is why they they fell off. But uh, I I I don't know if they would take two. Uh, yeah, I, I see. Uh, I'll Isaiah take that guy, Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Most mocks I look at have Isaiah Simmons going nine to the Jaguars, and that'll yeah. break my heart because the Browns pick ten. I'd be real happy if the Browns came out of this with Isaiah Simmons. Well, the Browns are going to looks like going to take the first offensive lineman. Yeah, in the draft, and I've that's seen Andrew Mox. Thomas from Georgia. So I've seen Mox they need with, offensive lineman. I've seen Mox with four offensive tackles in the top ten. Kid from yeah. Iowa, the Georgia. Hard to find, man. Yeah, they're hard to find. The, the The typical way the draft unfolds is once there's a once a guy goes at a position that's deep, then the run starts on the position. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you're Joe Burrow, this is always an age-old question. If you're Joe Burrow, do you work out at the Combine or just go in and do a physical and do interviews? I work out. I'm like... Why? You're the number one pick. I know. I know. I I just... You asked me, what would I do? Right. And I would be like... You're advising Joe Burrow. Okay, if I'm advising Joe Burrow, no. Don't work out. Okay. But if, if you're asking me what I'd do, I'd be like... What about Chase Young? Probably not. I mean, again, I would do it because it's like, hey, this is my job now, and this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not going to be a diva. And It's not being a diva. I guess if you do it on your own campus with your own receivers and everything. I mean, guys get ticked because they Joe have Burrow, to travel. Could Joe Burrow go to the combine and look so bad that he wouldn't be the first pick? Because Tua is not going to throw. At the, Tua can't participate. Justin Herbert, I don't know what he's doing, but he, he presumably will. What, what's the question? Could Joe Burrow go to the combine and look bad enough not to be the number one pick? Could he negate sixty no, touchdown he, passes as a senior in college? He's incapable of that type of performance. He's I too good. Think, I would think he's too good. Chase for, Young's not going to go to the combine and people go, "Oh, is he overrated? Yeah. Oh, he's going to go." 10th. No, you can't tell. I, I you, you can't. I, I mean, I think the combine should be limited to like those first. If if I'm in the first round. And I'm advised, don't work out. Could Chase Young go to the Combine and have such a spectacular Combine? No. That he could vault Joe? No. If Joe doesn't work out? No, unless... Do you agree with me that what a player does at the Combine could have more impact than what he does at his own pro day? I think it helps guys that can be maybe uh, a a third-round guy can jump them to the second-round guy. Those top tens, forget about it. They don't need to do anything. Here's a guy who needs to work out at the Combine. Jacob Eason, quarterback, Washington. He's supposed to go 13th to the Colts in this mock we're looking at. I don't think he needs to work out at the Combine. I think guys, teams make judgments on players. The Senior Bowl is where guys make their biggest jump. Teams make judgment on players when they sit in a meeting room with them and quarterbacks like Andy Reid did with Patrick Mahomes. And they see how smart they are off the board. 
Okay, so if you're J.K. Dobbins, you work out. Because this mock we're looking at is a, yeah, bleacher, a bleacher Report mock draft, and they have J.K. Dobbins going to the Dolphins 27th ahead of Jonathan Taylor. You just said if you're a first-rounder, don't work out. They got J.K. Dobbins uh, the first I guess rounder. I meant for top 10 or top 15 guy. I think J.K. Dobbins could help himself if J.K. can go in there and run 4-4 or 4-3-9 or 4-4-2 or something like that in the 40. That would help So him. where he can help himself. But they're not going to make a judgment of J.K. Dobbins whether or not he works out at the combine or not. Now, they might moan and complain about these guys aren't working out, they don't want to compete. That, that has nothing to do with anything. And if you're, if you're Cincinnati and you're not taking Joe Burrow, then you need to get out of that position and get some picks. Yes, I agree with that. You know, if you're – Trade down with the Dolphins yeah. let the Dol- or the Panthers – so, and if you're the Redskins and you're not taking Chase Young, you need to get out of that pick, but they're taking Chase Young because they need uh, outside guys. They need pass rushers, and Chase Young is clearly the best outside pass rusher in this draft. So, I mean, if, you don't, if you're not drafting Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, sell the house. Yep. Get as many uh, picks as you can because I guarantee you the Chargers would jump up there uh, the uh, who was, who was Panthers the, with the Joe Pan- Brady the, the, definitely yeah, would yeah the Panthers would jump up there because they don't know what what Cam Newton's situation is when I have hear the owner say I don't know what the situation is with Cam Newton's you know you look at the teams go there that that need quarterbacks that would take Joe Burrow so the Dolphins have three ones or or four ones there's two they have three ones yeah. so they got three ones if they want to jump up to number one they certainly have the picks to do that yeah so I mean it's I. Yeah, and f- who knows if you're the Dolphins, you might do that, or you got to see what you know. It's either going to be Tua or Burrow. You know, if you're the Bengals in the, if you're the Bengals, you wait. Of course, I guess. Well, if you can take Joe Burrow one, and then if the Lions do not take Tua, number three, you could pull a trade with Miami right then and say, "We'll give you Joe Burrow. We want Tua and whatever your next pick is." 13, 14. Yeah. Because you want to make sure the Lions don't take Tua, if that's who you want. Well, you'd, you'd have to, ju- because of that noise, you'd probably have to jump the Lions if you wanted that. So. Well, but if you pick Burrow first, then you could wait and see if the Lions pick Tua. If they picked Okuda, you know the Giants aren't picking a quarterback because they got yeah, Daniel Jones. I wouldn't be surprised that the Lions take Isaiah Simmons or Jeff Judy, the wide receiver for yeah. Alabama. The wide receiver that I really like, and I like them better than the Alabama kids because right now you got Henry, Henry Ruggs, the third, mm-hmm. going to Arizona uh, out of Alabama. Jeff Judy is a really good player, right, from Alabama. Very good. The guy that I like is C.D. Lamb. I don't even know if he's in that top ten. He's 11. Okay. Oh, he's 11. Okay. That's the guy that I like. Well, I he's think. awful small. Uh, you think C.D. Lamb is small? I do, yeah. I think he's slight. Spindly. He's also a returner. Can you just look up? I, I, I thought I like his. I, I was just thinking I like his size. So let's see who's right here. Maybe I'm not seeing the TV like I used to. But I like. 6'2", 195. He looks spindly to me. He looks spindly to me. I'm telling you. You think that's big enough? All right. <laughs> let me get the, let me get the photos. <laughs> it doesn't. 
He's small. I love making you laugh. But, but like, how, how do you look like that guy's small? Look at that photo. Look at Are him. Are you skinny. kidding me? He's got pipe cleaners for Are legs. You kidding? He's 6'2", 200 pounds. Yeah, well, I don't, know where it all, I don't know where it all oh, is, okay. but look at those legs. My <laughs> eyes don't lie. I'm telling you, he's spindly. All right, man. All right, so C.D. Lamb gets hurt in, the first you, week. You're going to hear about it. You live in your world. I'll oh, live in mine. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> Which has been the case probably. For, for the, <laughs> I, that's the guy I like. That's right. the receiver I like. Good Plus play. A lot of people like him. All, all right. right, let's go to emails. Uh, here we go. Dan. He says, ooh, long email. Uh, I was enjoying your talk the last few podcasts about how Baker needs to be mature show leadership. Regardless of this story on the Rover show is true or not, my reason for writing is while I agree with everything you said in general, I'm disappointed that this story was talked about in depth when there was zero chatter about it anywhere else other than on that more Rover morning show. Your point on 92.3 The Fan, WKNR, and negotiations might be true. However, there was no mention of other local media such as Plain Dealer, Athletic. That's true. Uh, there's nothing on ESPN, Fox. For something this media, you would think TMZ would be all over it with pictures. Cowherd would be talking about this for a week straight if there's anything behind it. I agree with you. I thought I was, I was thought that was strange. This does not mean the story was not true, but rather I wanted to express my disappointment that you ran with it like you did. You could have made a simple reference to start a discussion on how Baker needs to continue to grow, mm-hmm. mature in general, without constantly referencing this story that hasn't been confirmed by more than one source. I mean, remember Bruce mentioning before needing to have two sources before running with mm-hmm. the story. Uh, there was a second woman who called the show. Uh, Baker has not denied the story. Uh, he has not filed suit against the radio station. The Browns have not filed suit against the radio station. Defamation. All those things are reasons why, and because I've, uh, against my wishes, pursued it on the seamy social media channels that were where some degree of confirmation could be found, pictures of Baker and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I am satisfied that enough close enough to what's been reported happened that we didn't get into the we didn't say what happened in the SUV. We didn't get into any of the I think we tried very hard to steer away from the seamy details yeah. and focus on the fact that if he is having liaisons with people he just met who he doesn't know and cannot trust. That's a reflection of maturity and judgment. If it happened in August, which the timestamps on the social media postings show that it did, that is a reflection on maturity and judgment because it's during training camp. That's why we had the discussion when we had and, it. And, well, yeah, and our thing was, which we were leading to, is more of a, a Browns issue on – in the quarterback position about stability and what we need to do and if there's a backup plan. And what we try to do, at least from my perspective, what I try to do is try to take you inside a conference room where the owner, general manager, and coach are sitting there. And, and Dan, I know you know that I have a lot of experience of doing this, but about 30 years of knowing the conversations that go on, um, what's plan B and what's plan C? And what's plan D? So, uh, not necessarily on 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 the behavior itself, but I guess the consequences of the behavior. And if they are true, coming from a team's point of view, what's our plan A, plan B, plan C? And I think that's the the direction that we were trying to go yeah. in. At least I was. Yeah. And Dan, I'll agree with you that I'm surprised that TMZ has not done anything with this. But I will be even more surprised if there's not more. Uh, 
reporting on this coming out, but that's through people that I know in Cleveland who have uh, some things that I'm certainly not going to report at this point in time. Uh, here is another email from our friend Joe in Nashville, who uh, emailed us a while back about uh, being diagnosed with prostate cancer. It says, thanks so much to you and Chris for your prayers. God is indeed great. After six very worrisome weeks, my body scans have been completed. The good news, my prostate cancer, which was graded as very aggressive, has not spread beyond my prostate. This means I will be able to have surgery early next month and have it removed. That's awesome. Uh, Hopefully, with God's help, the surgery will be successful. Thanks to you guys for starting me on the way to repairing my relationship with God. Mm. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, this cancer, which has brought me back to God and taught me so many things that actually been a blessing, but it's time for it to go. Yeah, agreed. He said, the faith section on Monday's podcast spoke to me in so many ways, especially as I think about how grateful I am to have such a loving wife who has been so supportive during this difficult time. She is absolutely a true champion. One question about the podcast. <laughs> Do you guys have any heat in your basement? I've seen a couple pictures on the internet of you guys doing the podcast. You are all dressed like you may be doing the podcast from a basement in Alaska. What's the deal? Look. <laughs> the deal is that one day that I had my coat on, I was just cold. I don't know why I was cold, but I remember looking at the video on YouTube and I thought, it looks like we're doing it in an icebox. <laughs> I you always wear look, a hoodie. You wear a hoodie here's all the time. Here's the thing. All right. I love coming to Hooli Manor. I love no, I love you know there's there's a couple roads where it never fails. the skunk smell will hit me, oh. then there'll be dogs and cats running around this you know this cat scares me one day the cat started jumped on my leg, yeah, we were doing the podcast outside. I mean, there's day. a lot of things that I have to endure, you know, and I look at this <laughs> as a test of concentration and focus for from the uh baton death march out here, yeah. By the way, I just watched a special on that. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's, that's just it's unbelievable, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And uh, I educated myself. But look, this is uh this is as good as it gets in a broadcast world, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't get your free Diet Coke today. What's up? I'm it's going to chilled I'm, I'm in gonna, the fridge I'm waiting gonna, for I'm you. I'm gonna go get it on the way out. Well, grab a diet right too. That'll okay. be a special yes. throwback to your days of Maslin. Burger the Chef. Burger Chef Diet Right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a review from uh, Pittsburgh. He says, uh, I depend on you guys to provide clarity on faith and our Browns. Always love visiting the Columbus Zoo with my family. Keep up the great work. Hope it continues as you grow. Yeah, I yeah. hope so, too. Uh, okay, Mr. Spielman, what do you have for us on the faith side today? Well, a couple things. I was in a group last night that just started. It's an 11-week program. And the leader asked this question. It talks about Ephesians, and Ephesians, the elements of Ephesians are that God's promise that you we are um, chosen, redeemed, marked, forgiven, grace, adopted, and we're an heir of Christ. Mm-hmm. All those are really good news, right? Really. And so the leader asked the question, which one can you not accept? or that you have the most difficult accepting. I mean, redeems mean that you're you're basically, uh, I put the definition of redeemed, what is it, bought back? Basically bought back yeah. for a price, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, they go around the room, and I'm interested, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what all these other guys are saying. And to me, the overwhelming response was, 
the trouble of accepting grace. I don't understand that. And I do understand it because I've struggled with that. As mentioned previously on this show, that for whatever reason, men in particular, this group was a bunch of men, what we are are scorekeepers. Yeah. Right? And we probably, when we add up our day or add up our behaviors and we take a look at the lifetime and the things in our past that we're ashamed of or, or in the things in our past that we're very proud of, we probably lose. As, and and if you, especially if you're a competitor out there, most men that I know are, are, are competitors. They just are. They're, yeah. and, they're, and they're scorekeepers, right? And so... We're going to lose. And so when we look at the mirror and we, when we look in the mirror, we say we're losing. We're constantly losing. We might have good wins here or there and we do something nice and we don't feel worthy. And I think uh, for me, um, I talked about and I said, somebody asked me what I felt. I said, look, for me, grace is this. It's a, it's a gift. It's a free gift. I know that I'm not worthy, but I try to be, I strive to be, and so I know where my intentions are pure, and I try to do the right thing and do the good things, and I do have trouble forgiving myself, but uh, I talked about what the priest told me, that you know you can't give grace away if you don't accept grace yourself, and a friend told me, you know, Chris, that I was selfish because I wouldn't allow myself grace he says, uh, so apparently what you're telling me is that Jesus dying on a cross once was not enough for you, so you just keep grabbing a hammer and a nail, and you just keep pounding hammer and nails in them until, uh, you know, you keep crucifying him over and over. Once was enough, and you have to accept that. And the other big point I wanted to talk about was suffering. Everybody's going to suffer in this lifetime. You're going to have Lost. You're going to be scared. You're going to have the um, the elements of the unknown, right? We all are going to go through that. And uh, a person that you know, I'm not going to say his name because I don't have his permission to say his name, mm -hmm. um, had a tremendous loss. He lost his five-year-old child. Mm. A five-year-old child. Suddenly. With the craziest thing, heart attack. A five-year-old child with a heart attack. And he said something last night that he had to make a decision. First of all, he had he, it brought him closer to his faith because he then had to decide whether is God who he says he is. And he did an investigation, just much like C.S. Lewis or much like... Uh, our, our guy, what's the guy that Josh, wrote? Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell or the other guy, or, uh, uh, Lee, Lee Strobel. Strobel. Yeah. He had to do an investigation, and his, his investigation came to the conclusion that the evidence was overwhelming that Jesus said who he said he was. And then he thought to himself, and this was so profound, and like it smacked me in, my, in the face, and I love it when this happens. He said, I am not going to let this suffering be wasted and what and i'm not going to just you know suffer and not have something good come from this i'm making that choice and decision so it's wasted suffering 
And I thought, what does wasted suffering mean to you? So that when you're going through something and, and whatever that's just eating at you or just has complete control of your life, don't waste it. Use it. Use it as an advantage. Use it as a chance to grow. Use it as a chance to be a hope and, uh, for other people. Use it as a chance to inspire other people. Use it for, so that they can see that you can suffer and still uh, be happy and you can still live a life and you can still serve and you can still be something bigger than yourself. And it really uh, had a profound impact on me. So I, wouldn't, I want a challenge the people that listen to this show. So out of all the things that we are offered through Christ, that's we are chosen. Ask yourself, are you, uh, do you struggle with the fact that you've been chosen? You're redeemed. You've been bought and paid for. I mean, do you struggle with that? Are, are you marked for something greater? Not necessarily maybe on this earth, but when you get to heaven, do you struggle accepting that? Are you forgiven? Do you struggle accepting that? Do you struggle uh, struggle like me or accepting grace? That you're an adopted heir of Christ. Do you struggle with that? Then answer yourself. Uh, be honest and say, yes, this is what I can't somehow grasp or get my hands around. Then try to figure out why do you struggle with that? And if you're like me and you struggle with giving yourself grace, I'm going to give you, again, the advice that my friend gave me. Stop crucifying Christ over and over, you selfish son of a... <laughs> so, yeah, once was enough. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, thank you for that. That's, uh, that's really powerful. I'm very, very sorry to hear of your friend's loss. Um, I just want to give a quick one that uh, God is eager to answer our prayers. I've been struggling with um, processing a conflict that I was involved in. Uh, I'll give you maybe more of the details later on, but I just sat down this morning and I was like, Lord, I need a, I need a verse to strengthen me uh, as I try to move past this. And the third verse I read in Proverbs 20, it is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. And I've been a fool and been very quick to quarrel many times in my life. And I'm trying to get past that and better at that and, Remember the verse that uh, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Uh, I won't compromise my principles, but you can afford to let God avenge things that you may be tempted to avenge. Can I uh, add to that? Yes, please. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's James one nineteen. Yep. So... Well, that's that. That's a that's a big struggle for all of us, though, Bruce. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think our media again. I think as men, we face certain challenges. I think women have certain things that are natural to them, where they are a little bit better at at being more patient in yeah. understanding and listening. Where immediately. We are, as Doctor Phil likes to say, right fighters. We're always fighting for what we think is right. Darn it, I'm right, and I'm going to move heaven and earth to show that I'm right. Then I'm going to live for that day when you tell me that I was right and you were wrong. Yeah. And that's a weakness, man. Boy, that's that's a, such a weakness. That's it's a, weakness. it's an underrated weakness and an underrated roadblock that we have to deal with every day. Yeah, there's nothing humble I'm about right. it. I'm right. 
Now you tell me I'm right. Yeah. So I can have this victory for 10 seconds. Tell me again. Before I move just on. in case I forgot that you told me before. Yeah. Enough about me. You tell me about me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you have a great day. Be strengthened, and we'll talk to you again on Friday.